From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, Dr. Sophia Thomas, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast, bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and our patients. I want to welcome you today to the 100th episode of NP Pulse. I'm your host, Dr. Sophia Thomas, and joining me today to celebrate this milestone is AANP President Dr. Stephen Ferrara. Thank you for having me, Sophia. Today, we will be looking back on the 100 episodes of NP Pulse with a special emphasis on AANP's PEARL, an acronym for Practice, Education, Advocacy, Research, and Leadership. And PEARL comes straight from our mission of AANP. It sure does, Stephen. We're going to share some highlights from NP Pulse episodes that feature all of these pearls. But before we get started, let's talk a little bit about how and why NP Pulse was created. So my understanding is that, like so many podcasts, NP Pulse started off as a pandemic project. Is that correct? Oh yeah, it sure did, Stephen. And I am so proud of this podcast. When I was ANP president, I wanted to find a way to really disseminate information to more people. You know, we were so isolated and there was so much going on. So we really wanted to find a way to disseminate more information in a timely manner from experts really quickly. And in the first year we launched the, the podcast, we quickly rose to be in the top 10 of all healthcare downloads. And we have almost hit a half of million downloads. I'm so happy. And we consistently rank in the top five and often are number one for all of nurse practitioner podcasts overall. So our first episode came out in September of 2020. So we were well into the pandemic. COVID-19 shut down the world and we were all sheltering in place. And um, in fact, the very first episode was a two-parter featuring NP experts, Dr. Hudson Garrett and Dr. Ruth Carrico. And it was really aimed at addressing how nurse practitioners could take the lead in navigating infectious disease control. You know, that was really important right then. And it was important and it still is for AANP to provide both members and non-members with timely updated information about COVID-19, treatments for the disease, and I'm really so proud that we were able to create a podcast to fill in the gaps left by the inability to really speak in person with other NPs or to the wider public because, you know, we have people from the general public that are listening to this very informative podcast. Yeah, that's right, and that is such historic growth for this podcast, and uh, thanks to everyone who works on the podcast uh, to make this a success. I'm just so proud that we have the voice of the nurse practitioner um, in such a highly esteemed group of podcasts that are out there. In the early days of the pandemic, it was really important to share valuable information and also just as important to remind all of us that we were not alone in experiencing and weathering COVID-19. Launching NP Pulse was another amazing way for A&P to provide opportunities for members to advance their knowledge with many of the episodes hosted by the A&P Education Department and often include the opportunity to receive CE credit. So, Sophia, I know you were NP Pulse's first official host, and you have returned to that role recently, which we were all so grateful for. 
Thank you so much, Stephen. I am really so excited to be back. And I want to thank, first of all, all of the AANP staff that makes this happen, as well as the many amazing guests that we've had on NP Pulse for over 100 episodes. And they've really taken the time out of their busy schedules to share their knowledge and expertise with us at a variety of topics. We really do strive to make NP Pulse a listenable and very informative podcast, especially focused on NPs and the NP role, and really also a product that other healthcare providers, patients, or just curious listeners can browse and enjoy. The fact that NP Pulse continues to gain listeners is a big reason we continue to record and post new episodes every two weeks. So let's begin our retrospective with a subject near and dear to so many NPs and AANP members, practice. There really is something amazing about NP sharing their specialties with other NPs. It's also so rewarding to learn even more about our patients' bodies and minds and to consider our practice from a different angle, especially when expert NPs are our guides. Our next clip comes from a recent episode, number 96, where you, Sophia, spoke with Barbara Dean, a.k.a. Nurse Barb, about all things related to menopause and sexual health. Oh, yes, that was such an important and also very hot topic right now. And I actually personally had a number of key takeaways from my conversation with Nurse Barb. It was it was really great. One that stuck out the most was just how little menopause-related education uh, many healthcare providers receive. There's just a really a dearth of information that people are getting. And so it's important for us to share that menopause and sexual health information with people, you know, not only as clinical professionals, but also as, as you know, women themselves. And here's Nurse Barb explaining why that's such a concern. I have a patient who's a surgeon who came to see me because her daughter is a patient. And she came in, she had already been to see three other doctor friends of hers because of brain fog. She said to me, I can't function in the operating room. I'm not safe anymore. She was 45. She's Asian, she's tiny, and she runs a lot. Wasn't having her periods. Everybody chalked it up to the running and being thin. And guess what? She was in early menopause like you were. And once we figured that out and I started treating her, she was able to get back to the operating room in about six weeks because she was able to get the sleep, the restorative sleep that she needed. Um, and, but nobody connected the dots. She's a surgeon in Silicon Valley with access to great healthcare. That means that women all over the country who don't have the same kind of access are not getting the correct information. They're not getting care. And you know what, Sophia, you and I know this, but the it's important for our colleagues and who's ever listening today to know that most healthcare providers only receive one hour of menopause-related education in their four years of training, one hour. So I can't even master a recipe in an hour, let alone know how to take care of somebody for 30 to 50 years of their life. Treating different populations means meeting them where they are. And as our role gets more and more diverse, we have a new generation of NPs sharing their stories about treating patients who, perhaps just like them, are in gender, religious, 
and racial minorities. In episode 92, you, Sophia, spoke with doctors Jason Farley and James Q. Simmons about HIV prevention, how NPs can help support their patients in the LGBTQIA community, and so much more. What are some ways that NPs can help provide a safe and inclusive primary care experience? Well, just, just remember that we're all in this together, literally, so that it's not just you individually as the provider in the closed room one-on-one, but it begins with your receptionist, who's ever welcoming the patient into the clinic. It begins with the imaging you have in your clinic. Does it represent you know, a cisgender heterosexual couple, or does it have greater diversity? You know, and you know, how can you demonstrate to your um, patient population that you are welcoming in a variety of different ways? So one way privately in the room is to, you know, standardize as part of your either annual exam or more frequently, depending on your practice and the epidemiology of, of various conditions in your setting, um, a part sexual health evaluation as part of just a routine for every single patient across the board. Um, we, we don't shy away from using you know, uh, erectile dysfunction medication when the man comes in at 55 demanding it, and we have a great conversation about uh, his ED, and yet we won't ha- go any farther about who the sexual partners are or or how often he is having sex without condoms or whether or not he needs an HIV test. I mean, we see that kind of behavior consistently where, oh, okay, erectile dysfunction, I've got a great drug that can treat that. I will, you know, prescribe this. You know, we may do some hormone checks. We may not, depending on the circumstances. And here you go. Have Have a great day. Um, and what we need to do is change the narrative around that. Wonderful. Great. You know, are you you know, are you married? Are you, are you single? Are you having sex with a partner, multiple partners? All those things can help guide how, how you as a primary care provider develop your sexual health and primary care plan for this patient moving forward. And if you don't feel comfortable with taking a thorough sexual history, the Let's Stop HIV Together campaign has some great pointers that you can refer to. Uh, if you just go to the website, you can find all the details you need about taking a thorough uh, sexual health history. That was such an excellent conversation I had with James and Jason, Stephen, and I hope they'll both return to NP Pulse very soon. They are truly experts in their field. When I think about what NP Pulse does best, I'd probably have to say providing education is at the top, which is the E in our PEARL acronym, obviously. Really, every episode we produce has an element of education to it, but as mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, AANP also outputs podcasts directly from our education team, and some of those episodes are even accredited so NPs earn continued education credit after listening to them. AANP really strives to make sure to have as many educational resources for NPs that are valuable at all stages, from whether you're a student and then throughout your career. So recently, NP Pulse had an episode with AANP's Vice President of Accreditation, Conference, and Education, Dr. Teresa Campo, and she discussed new resources AANP created for NP students, including the AANP Student Education and Training, or AANP SET platform, which is truly amazing. There's a couple new resources that are specifically designed for students, but I just was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about those resources that you guys have. Sure. So we have free resources to student members, and they are located on our website. And these are available to students 
and they do cover a lot of different areas, such as planning your NP education, but also grants and scholarships that are available for students, as well as NP certification, how do you begin that process, and some clinical resources and continuing education credit opportunities as well. Two things that are new that we are really excited about is not only expanding and updating what we have, but something that uh, we are calling AANP SET. And this is a student education and training program. And what we are doing is facilitating continuing education sessions in three areas. And these are really foundational areas, as we all know, to nurse practitioner roles in practice in the area of clinical, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and professional development. And there's 30 education sessions that are going to launch and be available for students for free. And the other piece that kind of brings all this together is a gear up for success guide. And this is really exciting. This is the go-to all-in-one resource. It's beneficial to nurses that are thinking about pursuing nurse practitioner role in education. How do they look for a program? How do they become a nurse practitioner? And we cover things on preparing for an NP program. What are some of the financial considerations? What clinical experience and preceptor information do I need to know before even applying to a program and once accepted into that program? How do I decide what population do I want to go into? What's of interest to me? There's also getting ready to graduate and start your NP career. So this area would be great for both of you in how do I obtain licensure? What is the process in my state? Is it a compact state? What does that mean to me? Obtaining board certification, how do I apply for that? And who do I apply to? Getting your resume or your curriculum vitae or CV together, how do I write that or update it and really gear it towards the position that I'm really looking for that will help to, to guide my career? How to find that right job and prepare for that application process? How do I interview? How many times have we thought about, you know, I'm going on an interview what do I wear? How do I act? What questions could I be asked? And how can I prepare for that? And also negotiating a contract. What does that mean? And if I don't have a contract offered to me, what does that mean? How do I work through that? And what are things to look for? And what you need to start your job, getting authorization numbers, DEA, liability insurance, is that something I should have on my own or is that offered by my employer? We've also included information on reimbursements and also how do I repay loans? Should I consolidate my student loans or other loans? How's the best way for me to do that? So we're really excited about the resources that we have in place, but also about these two really big pieces that are only for students and are really gonna be beneficial from the time you even think about, do I wanna be a nurse practitioner? What is a nurse practitioner? All the way through the beginning of your career. It's great to be reminded of everything that AANP offers towards education, because really, all of us probably consider ourselves to be lifelong learners.
Oh, exactly. I never stop learning. And it's so essential to the healthcare field so that you can be the best advocate for your patient. And speaking of advocacy, that is a crucial part of what AANP provides and what NP Pulse highlights in many of our episodes. And advocacy is the A in Pearl. There's no better introduction to the subject on NP Pulse than our 71st episode, appropriately titled The Importance of NP Advocacy. Our guest roster was full this episode with Drs. Christina Calamaro, Joy Dupree, and Eliana Marcos Aaron, all sharing their stories as to why they became NPs and all of the importance of advocating for advanced practice nurses and patients. We're going to play a clip from the episode now, but I highly recommend all NPs go back and listen to the full episode if you haven't already. I think really what comes to mind when I think of being a nurse practitioner, actually two things. One is mentorship, um, and the other is really patient advocacy. And I think of my years as an academician in mentoring and growing uh, student nurse practitioners and seeing them be successful and caring well for their patients. And then I think of my other role as an advocate for the patient. And uh, most of my experience has been with underserved populations. So really thinking in terms of what is the health disparity that limits access to care for those patients? Uh, Where are they located? How can I get them to the best care possible? And then really getting beyond just the simple, hey, how are you? What are you here for? And really engaging and understanding people's lives and the context of their questions. Um, So I'm excited about the role. I really see it as, um, to me, it's the epitome of nursing. Uh, Many, many times I hear students say, but I'm not really a nurse. But to me, as I've grown the last 25 years, I've really seen the nurse practitioner role be the, it is, it's the epitome of what nursing can be. It's it's our need for advocacy. It's our need to, to care for patients, to care for the community, and also to really just stand up and say, hey, this is what I do and this is why I'm great at it. So many highlights that we could share from that episode, and we will continue to use NP Pulse as another way to showcase what the NP role does and how we can all bring about change to better the health of our patients and community. Now, let's move on to the R in Pearl, research. While research may not sound exciting to everyone, it is necessary for the advancement of health and the NP profession. Research is what tells us what we're doing right what we can improve, and what we should expect when we embark in our career. Very recently, NP Pulse had AANP's Vice President of Research, Chris Tracy, as a guest to discuss the 2022 AANP NP Compensation Report. What kind of surveys does AANP conduct, and and why is it so important that nurse practitioners click that link in their email to answer the survey questions? So first and foremost, the surveys that we do that are nationally based, we call them sample surveys because we're pulling from a sample of NPs based on state board information. So they include both members and non-members and offer a very representative piece of the nurse practitioner, you know, occupation across the United States. We ask a lot of questions, not only on who nurse practitioners are, right? Basic demographic, age, um, race, gender, all of those pieces, 
But we also ask questions about their nurse practitioner characteristics, certifications, work settings. We know that over time, NPs have been added to different types of healthcare workforce teams, um, to different types of settings and those pieces. So when you get that survey invitation and you click on those surveys, well, I understand sometimes it's a burden because the time involved can be significant. What you're adding to is a culmination of understanding that we can then share with federal or state level policymakers. We can share it with organizations that employ nurse practitioners to help give them the best picture of what the workforce looks like at any given point in time. So that's the national workforce surveys that we do, but that's not the only kind of survey that we do. We also do membership surveys every couple of years, and we use a lot of the data from those surveys to ask questions around what types of benefits do they find most helpful? Do nurse practitioner members find most helpful at AANP? How often are they using different resources that we provide for them? And the level of satisfaction that they have with those different benefits and opportunities. And that's your opportunity as a member to tell us, are we meeting the mark? Or are there things that you'd like to see done differently? And we use that data every day to improve the member experience and also um, drive decision making as we add new and different products in the future. So really, the information that you're gaining is helping to inform and advance the, the NP role, right? That is exactly what we are doing. And one of the unofficial mottos of my department is making data sexy. So <laughs> we all know that, you know, um, large written reports um, only go so far and that information needs to be consumable and it has to be a little bit flashy at times. And so that's another thing our department really focuses on is taking the information from these different data collection efforts and transforming it into products, one pagers, two pagers, infographics, visuals that really tell the story of the nurse practitioner, whether that's the nurse practitioner in primary care, the nurse practitioner who may have a clinical focus um, in an area like cardiology. But when we get questions from a variety of different agencies that say, hey, how big is this issue? Or, you know, what's the problem really? Um, can you describe for us how many NPs this would impact? Then we can do those analyses and provide that information to those advocates and stakeholders. And what's great is AANP members have free access to the compensation report. And it's really valuable to hear Christine break down the report's findings. Listeners can also use the report as they are negotiating for uh, jobs and things like that. Christine also makes a very convincing case for the importance of NP research and really explains to all of us what AANP is researching, why, and how it relates to the NP role. We've now come to the last letter in Pearl, L for leadership. I think I can speak for both of us when I say that we would not have taken on the leadership roles in our careers and in our professional organization if we hadn't been encouraged and inspired by mentors and the powerful NPs who came before us. Now it's our responsibility and our joy to foster the next generation of NP leaders. Absolutely, Stephen. And 
Over these years, we've posted neat, insightful episodes highlighting NPs and their experience with leadership and how nurse practitioners can grow their own leadership skills. In fact, in 2021, during NP Week in November, we had five nurse practitioners share their leadership roles in episodes 37 to 41. And back in April of 2022, Captain James Dickens shared his experience as an NP in a leadership role tackling public health emergencies in the U.S. and abroad, including being the officer in charge of the Commission Corps Ebola response team in West Africa. Under the Surgeon General, uh, Vice Admiral Murthy, um, uh, we were sent under the from the National Security Council, and I think Ron Klain at the time was the person from the National Security Council, and I was on team two. I was the only nurse that uh, led a team of uh, uh, interpe- inter- interprofessional team members, uh, physicians and uh, scientists, uh, veterinarians and, and, and the like, um, that uh, I was uh, again over team two and we were in Monrovia, Liberia, and mm-hmm. we had direct direct patient care responsibilities uh, for uh, Liber- uh, Liberian nationals at uh, Roberts Airport right outside of Monrovia. And that was a very rewarding experience for me personally. And uh, it's one that I get emotional thinking about all the time because I feel like we could have saved many more um, had that been in our in our wheelhouse or, you know, we had a we had a very narrow uh, lane as to what our workload was going to be for that particular mission. And I felt like we could have done a lot more. But um, again, staying in your lane is so key when you're Mm -hmm. uh, in those spaces. And um, so we were there. Uh, I, we got there at the height of Ebola uh, when there was no physical contact. And I think that's where the whole elbow bump came from. You've okay. seen that uh, activated a lot during uh, during uh, during COVID here. We've, we've seen the elbow bumps and masked up. But we were doing that way back uh, in, what is that, you know, seven, eight years ago uh, during Ebola. And I remember meeting the Minister, Minister of Health and the Prime Minister uh, of Liberia, uh, 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 President Salif. And uh, we were already elbow bumping and what have you. And so that was a great experience. But as you indicated, I'm, I'm, it's a team effort. There were other mm-hmm. nurse practitioners on that team that I counted on and nurse practitioners, PAs and others, uh, physicians certainly, and um, that I counted on. But it's a team effort and, and um, uh, my success is their success. And so being uh, afforded that opportunity, had a great deputy, had a great chief medical officer, had great nurses. My my uh, my uh, uh, DON or, or the chief nursing officer was just outstanding. She's a research nurse and runs a, a place at NIH. And so I've had the fortune of working with some spectacular nurses and nurse practitioners at very high levels that are ES, uh, EIS officers at CDC. They're the uh, they're the ones that hunt down the viruses and stuff in the jungles of uh, Africa and other places when they emerge. And so just had a great experience there. And my experience was so emotional and uh, 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 great for me. My wife and I actually uh, sponsored uh, one of our patients that actually lived. We sponsored he and his wife to the U.S. And I'm proud to say he's in nursing school in Minnesota right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, he was a PA there. And um, Alvin Davis is his name. And matter of fact, I just talked to him yesterday. He had a presentation. But Alvin... Um, it was just wonderful, and, and and I knew that there there had to be some reason that this guy lived. Uh, I'd never seen anyone have such a rough time with any medical condition, and he did, but he lived, and so 
we sponsored him to the U.S. about three years ago. So he's doing well, thriving, and uh, I hope that he'll add something to the nursing community when he uh, becomes a nurse. Stephen, my friend, ANP president, I want to thank you for joining me to host this 100th episode of NP Pulse. It was difficult to pick and choose which episodes to include in this roundup, but we really did try our best to showcase just a few of the many hot topics covered by NP Pulse that are important for NPs and our patients. I want to thank you for having me, Sophia. It has been excellent to experience how NP Pulse has grown and to hear recent episodes featuring NPs discussing academia, diabetes, resistant hypertension, and so much more. I also want to thank you, listeners. If it wasn't for your support, NP Pulse would not have reached 10 episodes, let alone 100. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to this podcast and sharing it with your colleagues. Please stay tuned for a new episode of NP Pulse coming out in the near future. And until then, be kind, be safe, be effective, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner. practitioner.